Francone, and welcome to the Prophecy Channel. Today we're going to look at the abomination of desolation. This is when the Antichrist goes into the Jewish temple and declares that he is God. We'll begin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. He's speaking of the last days. The uh, Greek word falling away is a Greek word apostasia, where many will begin to fall away from the faith. But look at verse 4 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He speaks of the son of perdition, and he says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. We know that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is one of many verses that speak of this abomination of desolation. But first of all, let me give you kind of a brief rundown, a timeline of the last days. Very brief. Not exhaustive at all. I begin when the rapture happens, and I've talked about this a little bit before. That is when the church, those believers who are part of this great body of Christ, they're caught up with the Lord. And that is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When they're caught up to the Lord, that begins the seven-year tribulation on earth. And God begins to not only judge the world, but he's trying to bring his people back as well. The first three and a half years, Israel and the Antichrist make an agreement. But in the middle of that, that's the middle of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist breaks the agreement and worldwide persecution begins. You thought it was bad the first three and a half years. It's going to be on steroids in the last three and a half years. It is that event, this abomination of desolation, that triggers the terrible, terrible uh, uh, stuff that will happen in the last three and a half years. And the last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. At the end of that, the second coming of Christ and that's when Jesus comes again. Well, we're going to hold on to that right now because we want to begin to dig in to the passages. There's, we're going to be looking at several passages today. So if you at home in the Bible, if you're listening in the car, just listen real, real close, real carefully. But I'm going to begin in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 10. Uh, yeah, Isaiah, that's right. Isaiah speaks of this time that's going to happen at the end. He begins to get, give us a clue of this abomination of desolation when the Antichrist begins to proclaim himself as God. Isaiah 10, I'll begin reading in verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people O Israel, be as the sand of the sea. A remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness, for the Lord God of hosts will make a determined end, watch, a determined end in the midst of the land. So what we have here, after Israel experiences a massive betrayal, because this is this prophecy, it begins here. 
after Israel experienced this massive betrayal, they had made an agreement with the Antichrist. The Antichrist breaks that agreement. The one they trusted, he says, turns against them and slaughters many. But there is a remnant preserved, he says in Isaiah 10. It will be a full end, the day of judgment, a time to establish his kingdom. That is our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now keep that in your mind. Now I'm going to turn my Bible to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 30. I want you to listen to several verses here. Because we're going to kind of build this case as we go through the scriptures. Jeremiah 30, beginning in verse 5. For thus says the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins, like a woman in labor, and all the faces turn pale? Let me stop right here. The prophet's vision is of the last days. He sees a world in pain. He sees Israel in pain with the allusion to a woman in labor here. The world's in pain. Israel's in pain. And giving birth, he says, without painkillers. So what he's speaking about here is great human pain that is coming to this earth. Again, we have a picture of the tribulation, more specifically the great tribulation period. Look at verse 7. Jeremiah 30. Alas, but that day is great, so that none is like it, and it's time of Jacob's trouble. Now let me stop here. The time of Jacob's trouble is a reference to the last days, I believe more specifically, of the tribulation here on earth. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, he writes, but he shall be saved out of it. Now the word, Hebrew word, alas, is hoi, hoi, which means woe or expression of pain and deep satisfaction, speaks of deep mourning. And then he says that day. And when he uses the phrase, a compound word, that day, it's a specific time in history. Again, I believe that's the tribulation time. He says none is like it. It's the great tribulation. He says it's Jacob's trouble. That means the great tribulation. He shall be saved out of it, which means that a remnant of Israel will be saved. But let's go a little farther in Jeremiah and look at verse 8 and 9. It shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Serve the Lord. David will be the viceroy or the vice-regent, I believe, during the thousand-year millennium on earth. He will rule on behalf of a sovereign. That sovereign is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can go, let's go a little farther. How's that? Verse 10 in Jeremiah 30. Therefore do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar, and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have rest and be quiet, and no one shall make him afraid. For I am with you, says the Lord, to save you, Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you. I will correct you in judgment and will not let you go altogether unpunished. There will be Israelites who will be saved during the tribulation period, a great number who will come to Messiah. Now, 
We're still looking through the scriptures, especially the Old Testament. Now we're going to Zechariah. We're taking this journey all the way to Zechariah, one of the, what we would call the minor prophets. Now let's begin in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8 and 9. Again, here is a picture of Israel during the tribulation time. And a lot of this goes all the way into the battle of Armageddon. Now, verse 8 and 9. It should come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. But one-third shall be left in it, and I will bring the one-third through the fire. I'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Two-thirds of Israel will die from the Antichrist and from these nations. Because we know that when he commits this terrible act, when he goes into the Jewish temple, and when the Antichrist says that he is God and desires to be worshipped, he will go on a rampage. He will not only martyr Jews, but he will martyr Christians as well. It says here, one-third will go through the fire. And what that means, one-third of Israel will be refined. A remnant will be preserved and brought to salvation. And again, I believe, we'll have to get into another message in Revelation chapter 12. I believe that God has reserved Petra in Jordan to save the remnant and, and, uh, and many uh, and get them ready for the uh, second coming of Christ. But again, another message. I'm going to Zechariah 14, verse 1 and 2 and following. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. Now we have a picture of Armageddon that will happen at the end of the tribulation period. So you and I, you know, we used to, I used to think that the Armageddon is just one big battle, but it's actually a series of battles that culminates in one major one. He says, I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Verse 3, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. Armageddon is the main battle after a series of battles. Jerusalem will be taken. There'll be indescribable horror, but Jesus will intervene. He will fight and destroy those attacking nations. Now, we're going to Go all the way to the New Testament. Remember, our subject is the Antichrist. When the uh, beast, as the Revelations calls them, the Antichrist, enters into the Jewish temple, the third temple to be built, and declares himself as God. Beginning Matthew 24. And I'll tell you what we'll do. Give you some extra stuff today. Verse 3. We want to begin to look at some of the signs of the end of the age. Verse 3. Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 24. Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Now there's five, well, six signs here. We're going to look at six signs. Let's look at the first one, verse four and five. 
Take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So the first sign of the last days is deception. And my friend, if you're listening to me right now, you know we're being deceived by leaders, we're deceived by churches, we're being deceived by false prophets, we're being deceived all over the world. Just can't believe it by our media. So deception will be a sign. And what are the main signs of the last days of the end of the age? Verse 6, the second sign is dissension. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end, the end is not yet. That's the second sign of the end of the age. There's a third sign, devastation, verse 7. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. There will be devastation around the world. There's a fourth sign of the end of the age, and that is desecration. Verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That is desecration, desecrating the name of the Lord, the name of Christian. Christians, Christians today are under persecution. We don't see it as bad in the Western civilization, but we're beginning to see some pretty bad signs even in Western civilization, but it's been happening all over the world these last hundred years. Now, there's a fifth sign, and that is defection, defection. Many will be offered, verse 10 and 11, many will be offended, excuse me, and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So what there'll be, will there'll be defection. People will be lying about each other, betraying one another, be hating one another, be offended. And then there's number six. There's a sixth sign, a sixth sign of the last days. Begin in verse 13. Now watch this. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. Declaration. Declaration. Gospel. The gospel of Jesus will be preached around the world. Verse 8 says, These are only the beginning of sorrows. But something triggers the last three and a half years. Because we know that the tribulation is seven-year period. But it is that last three and a half years that things get really, really ugly. Something triggers that last three and a half years. A big spark that starts the second half of the tribulation. And I think verse 15 of Matthew 24 tells us what that big spark is. Listen to this. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Let's stop here. This is the trigger. This is the spark. This is the event that starts a major fire of death and destruction. We saw it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We saw inferences in Isaiah and in Jeremiah. But now Jesus pretty much spells it out. And he's quoting from Daniel, and we'll get into Daniel later in this message. But this is the trigger, the abomination of desolation. Let's break this down. The word abomination, 
is a Hebrew word, which means a detestable thing, an abominable thing, an accursed thing. But it's derived from a root. And that root word, badio, means to reek with stench, to emit a foul odor, something so disgusting, something so abhorrent, something so repulsive to God. You can go back to Revelation 17 and Revelation 21. There's inferences of what is abhorrent to God, disgusting to God, repulsive to God. That is the abomination. So whatever this act is, whatever this Antichrist is committing, whatever this is that Daniel predicts and Jesus talks about it and Paul wrote about it in 2 Thessalonians, it is something that's so disgusting, so repulsive, and so abhorrent to God. It's the abomination of desolation, which means a barren or wasteful area to lay waste, to be barren, a devastation, to be cut off, to be isolated. A detestable thing that lays waste, a detestable thing that ruins, that desecrates, that causes a ruination, that causes a destruction, that causes a devastation. And my friend, he talks about the holy place. And this is talking about the rebuilt Jewish temple. There will be a Jewish temple that will be rebuilt either right before the tribulation or during the tribulation. It will be a sacred place set apart from God. Again, this is when the Antichrist goes into the temple, the Jewish temple, and declares himself as God. Now, let's get a little farther and let's begin to kind of move towards Daniel and give you some pictures. The Old Testament is filled with illustrations and examples and pictures of what we see in the New Testament. That's why you need to know the Old Testament. In Daniel 8, in Daniel 8, and in Daniel 11, Daniel 8 and Daniel 11, you will see um, that he makes reference to a mighty king. Most scholars believe that this uh, mighty king here, this, this uh, emperor, I will say king, maybe not an emperor. Most scholars agree that it is Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes, or Epiphanes, was a Syrian king. He ruled 175 to 165 B.C. They called him the Epiphanes, and he called himself the Epiphanes, which really means the great one, and that's what he called himself. Now, the people called him Epimenes, which means the maniac. And he is a picture and a type in the Bible of the Antichrist. He was the great persecutor of the children of Israel. The Apocrypha, the, uh, what we call the books written during the 400 silent years in the Bible. And we would uh, call those, uh, we, I think it's Maccabees 1, there's a number of books, but in Maccabees 1 and 2, and Josephus, the Jewish historian, and other ancient writers, they wrote during this time, and they wrote the four, it was 400 years after Daniel that prophesied prior to the New Testament era and talked about Epiphanes, Antiochus, all right, the, or Epimenes, which I like that name, the maniac. He tried to stamp out the Jewish religion. He imposed the following regulations on Judah, more specifically the southern region, that is Judah. Benjamin, Judah, Jerusalem was their capital city. 
he had he set up rules when he began to Syrian king beginning in there and took over the country. He said Jews could not assemble for prayer. He said the observance of the Sabbath was now forbidden. Possession of scripture was now forsaken. Circumcision was illegal. Any woman found with a circumcised baby, the baby was killed and hung around the mother's neck. And then the mother was killed. All dietary laws in the Old Testament were considered illegal. Pagan sacrifices were now mandated. And hold on to that because we're going to get into Daniel in just a little bit. This maniac, he tried to stamp out the Jewish religion. He slaughtered thousands of men, women, and children. He was evil and cruel. One of the worst acts that he ever committed, hang on to this, was the declaration, or excuse me, the desecration of the Jewish temple and the declaration that he was God. He went inside the temple. He slaughtered a pig on the altar. He stuffed pork down the throats of the Jewish priest. He set himself up in the temple as God. He called himself Zeus. He set up a statue of Zeus. You know, Zeus is the Greek God. He even made coins with his picture on it and entitled them God Manifest. Once the temple was desecrated, all sacrifices stopped. The Jews never went back. The abomination that makes it desolate. Now you understand the name. It's the abomination that makes it desolate. It was the disgusting act that made it a ruin and made it barren. That is the temple. Eventually, the Maccabeans beat him and his army. They got their religion back. And Antiochus went mad. The sacrilege of the second temple is a preview and a foretaste of the Antichrist in the end times. What he did in the Old Testament days, Antichrist will do in the New Testament days, more specifically in the uh, closing uh, tribulation period. Now, we're going to Daniel. Daniel, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15. He said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stop here. Now we're going to go to Daniel's book. And there's so many verses in Daniel. I don't even know if I'll have time to hit every one. But I want to go to Daniel 11 first. Verse 31 through 34. Daniel chapter 11. By the way, if you want to know the book of Revelation, if you want to know prophecy really know, need to know the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 11. I think let's begin reading in verse 31. And forces shall be mustered by him. Now he's speaking of the Antichrist, the one to come. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and places there the abomination of desolation. There we go. Right there, take away the daily sacrifice and the place there, the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. There's going to be great heroism in those days. And those are the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, 
They shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. Let's break this down a little bit, all right? We have a local look here, and we have a future look. In many prophecies in the Old Testament especially, there is a local look and a future look. So when Antiochus commits the abomination of desolation, he desecrates the temple. Some Jews, he says, will be persuaded to abandon Yahweh God and turn to paganism. Now he's speaking here, watch, of those days. So when he proclaims himself as God, there will be some Jews, according to Daniel 11, that we be persuaded, and they'll actually leave Yahweh God. They'll like to turn to paganism. There'll be a rebellion. A rebellion will begin in a small village by an old priest. Now, there was a rebellion during the days of Antiochus, and there was an old priest by the name of Matthias. Matthias began the rebellion in a small village. The Maccabean Rebellion, in three and a half years, the temple is restored. All right, look, think about this. In, the, in those days, in three and a half years, the temple is restored. And that's when Hanukkah is celebrated. Being free from that Syrian king. That God's people are walking in freedom now. And in the Daniel and in Revelation, when the Antichrist is coming, his abomination of desolation, three and a half years later, Jesus returns and restores the Jews. I often wondered, is Jesus going to come back in those days during Hanukkah? Maybe, maybe. All right, tell you what we're going to do. This is part one. Part one of the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist proclaiming himself as the uh, God in the Jewish temple. And hang on, there will be a part two. Again, this is part one. Again, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the Prophecy Channel, and we will see you next time.